Welcome to Orpini. This is Saratova Best. We are learning about Purim Katan and Purim Katan Tafshin Lamachet. The question is, we have two questions, and we're going to see in a minute. What does the world look like if you could be inside the center of the crown, Hashem's crown, and the crown of Mashiach? So if you could be right in the center of the crown, and you could look out at the world, from that vantage point, what would the world, the past, the present, and the future, and all the circumstances of the world look like? What would they look like? So we're looking into this mimer. This mimer is based on a mimer that was said on Purim Katan, 1927, Tafresh Pei Zayin. Situation at the time was, and by the way, it's all about, we know Purim Katan is all connected to Amuna in the face of darkness, meaning what you see is absolute darkness. There is no chance of getting out of this, escaping from this situation. And historically, it might even get worse. And yet, there's a light there that will become the light of the future. So the question is, how do we incorporate this in our life? So back to that, Preparation Pei Zion, 1927, Purim Katan, it was completely illegal in Russia to have for bringing gatherings Mashka on the table, Tzedakah, learning, Svarim, any of that. And it seems that, the, um, I believe it was that time, the Friedrich Rebbe called for a Fabrengen. There was a similar Fabrengen in uh, seven years before, Tafresh Pei, 1920, and that was the Rebbe Rashab's Fabrengen. And the Rebbe Rashab said, I hate them. I hate them with the whole fi- every fiber of my being. I hate meaning the opponents, the anti-Hashem, the anti-God um, communists. And the Rebbe Rashad had said at that point that he could not live, he could not be in the same world with them because they were the epitome of absolute evil. That was, I think, either Purim or Purim Katan of Tafresh Pei, um, 1920. A few weeks later, the Rebbe Rashad, who said he could not bear to be in the same world with them, did leave the world on base Nissan. So he, he, he left the world, not being able to bear being in the world with them. At that moment, his son, the Friedrich Rebbe, now became Rebbe, became the leader. And now seven years later, the Friedrich Rebbe, his son, is facing the same thing. It's for him, Kaplan. And um, it's Tafresh Pezayim. He's in Moscow. And um, he's infusing us through the Mimer, which is called the Kibbal HaYehudim, is infusing us with the ability to live with light when we're feeling darkness. Let's say it that way. And that was based on, this is the famous Mimer, it was based on um, drawing strength from the time of Purim. From the story of Purim, when um, Mordechai at Tzadik inspired all the people to be strong, and especially the 22,000 Jewish children. And the whole Jewish people were about to be completely eradicated, God forbid. There was no Jew. There was no place to go at that time. The time of Purim, you couldn't run anywhere else. Every other time in history, you could go somewhere. During the Holocaust or before the Holocaust, there were people who escaped to America or other places. But in the t- at the time of Purim, every single land was owned by the same ruler, Achashverosh. And 
all the borders were closed. There was no place to go to. So no one could escape. We were totally locked in, which is interesting because it's reminiscent of the time that we were totally locked in when we just came out of Mitzrayim and we were before the Red Sea, before crossing the sea. We were in the desert. And as it says, Rashi says, the desert closed in on us and we were locked in to the desert. And there was great darkness. We were lost. And because of that, because the desert locked in on us and closed in on us and locked us in, we were on lockdown. Sounds familiar. We were on lockdown. Um, that's when the enemy, the anti-God, in that time, Paro, decided this was the first time when we were on lockdown to attack us and eradicate us once and for all, God forbid. Why did he want to eradicate us? God forbid, because we were the representatives of Hashem. And he, that was his arch enemy. Hashem, he saw Hashem as his arch enemy. But he made us his, his arch enemies as Hashem's representative. So now, that was Paro. Now we go back to 1927, Tafresh Zion. Same thing is happening. The NKVD, the KGB, the communists, they sought to eradicate Hashem and the most potent way they could do that was to get rid of the leader of the generation, the Nasi Adar, the Meshurbin of the generation. And so here is here was the minor that the Rebbe, that the Friedrich Rebbe was saying that would then land him in prison, which it did. I think on the 15th of Sivan, several weeks later, he was taken to prison and was released miraculously on your base Tammuz of that year. So there's a lot in this mimer. It's an activator. It's not just a description of things, but it's an activator for everything and for our times. So the mimer is saying that the Hebrew Hayyudim, Kaimu Mashakib Lukfar, that when we stood at Harsina and we received the Taira, it was really a gift from above. Hashem gave us Matan, Matana, Matan Taira. Hashem gave us the Taira. Were we, did we fully earn it? Not necessarily, but we were enough of a vessel that we could have it. But there's an infinite difference between getting a gift versus earning it. I go to a Chinese auction and they have a mink coat and I win the mink coat. I put in a $25 ticket and I won the mink coat. Yay. And I don't really know how to take care of a mink coat. You have to put it in cold storage and all of that. I just hang it in the closet and I leave it there the whole year because I don't know. Eventually, it's not going to be such a good mink coat. That's because I didn't really earn it. So I don't even, you know, people people say, well, you, you could have you could have looked up to find out how to take care of it, but I guess they didn't really care enough because I wanted to cost me twenty five dollars, so to speak. So. You know, I don't wear mink coats so much anyway. Any, anyway, so now what if I spent 15 years working to earn enough money for that mink coat? You can be sure if I'm healthy emotionally that I'm going to find out exactly how to take care of it and I will take care of it because it's mine. I earned it. I worked really hard for it. So 
that's the point that's being made here by the Friedrich Rebbe. When we received the Tyrus Matan Tyrus, it was a gift. We didn't probably quite appreciate fully what we were getting. But a thousand years later, when we had the story of Purim, and we were told that we would be, God forbid, annihilated unless we gave up the Tyrus. Because there were two groups. There were the Ivrim and the Yehudim. The Yehudim were under the decree. The Ivrim, the ones who, you know, weren't so Torah-oriented, didn't really care, they were they would have been allowed to live. But every Jew switched over to the, the group of Yehudim and were ready to give up their lives for Tyra and for Yiddishkeit. So that earned us the Tyra in a way way beyond before when you know, at Mount Sinai, at, at giving of the Torah, we didn't earn it so much, and now we did. So that's why it's called Kaimu Mashakib Lugfar. Or Kaimu Vakib Lugfar. Okay, so, um, um, we're going to go into some of the words of the Mimer. So, there are the same here. And by the way, this mimer that we're learning was said 50 years after 1927. Actually, 51 years. And Tafshin Lamed Ches. Tafshin Lamed Ches is also, that's 1978. Tafshin Lamed, then it was, yeah, 1978. Tafshin Lamed Ches, it's 50 years after that famous mimer of the Friedrich Rebbe. This is a mimer now being said by the Rebbe. And the situation that we're facing at that moment in Tafshin Lamed Ches is, it's just weeks after the Rebbe had his heart attack, which was sort of the heart attack of the whole Jewish people. Um, two ways of serving Hashem. You love him with all your heart, and you also understand him with your mind in any relationship. There's how you feel about the relationship or how you feel about the person. That's with your heart. And then what you know about the person, that's with your mind. So we could say, there are those who say that Tafshin Lamed Chet, when the Rebbe had his heart attack, was a um, a challenge to um, the Jewish people in their feeling about Hashem and an ability and a moment when everything came to a halt and there would be a huge upgrade in the ability of the Jewish people to feel a longing for Hashem, which happened. The Chuvan movement really picked up speed very much. And really, the truth is that the main Balchuva movement that happened was in the 70s and the 80s, the Lamas and the Mem. Um, and in a way, you could say that the strongest Balchuva that were, that became Balchuva in the Lamas and the Mem, it's, um, kind of a unique population that never was before and may never be again. Very different approach and very kind of solid approach. And um, lots and lots and lots and lots of single people, students, um, feeling the longing for a connection to Hashem. And and, um, it was a pivotal time in history. So we're saying, Tafshin Lamed Ches, Here's this mimer being said by the Rebbe. Okay, so here's...
here's the question. It's a dover nifla. It's a wondrous thing. Normally it says, hmm, we have to understand what does Mas and Tyra have to do with Purim? But here the Rebbe says, now let's jump to 1978, the Rebbe is saying, this is a nifla. This is strange. This is really strange. This is a nifla. Because the whole idea of nifla is it's something wondrous. Now, we're, we find the word nifla very striking for us this year because this is the year that the Rebbe says is tafshin pe alaf teheishnas plaus er enu. Plaus is like niflaus. What's the difference between niflaus and plaus? Plaus are higher. Niflaus are great wonders and miracles. But because the niflaus have a nun, there can be a falling, falling out of the miracle. A, a, a nifila, a, it can kind of slip down the hill again after the year of niflaus. We had, tough, we had the year of niflaus in, um, 1991, 30 years later, we have in the footnote, the Rebbe saying that Tavshin Pei Aleph will be a year of plus or enu, more than the flows, but something really incredible wonders that we will see. So on the one hand, we could say we're still waiting. We haven't seen any except for a giant mess. On the other hand, we can say the fact that we see that the world seems to be falling apart faster than fast is one of the flows. It's obviously, it's obvious that the insanity of the world that we're seeing and the quick change of, of um, circumstances is, um, um, is the costume for these incredible wonders that we're not yet able to perceive. There's a huge light, but it sure doesn't look like. I mean, and we can say from last Purim, we're, we're just about to come to Purim. So from last Purim, and this is a minor Purim question, from last Purim, what we've been through was kind of regular life until Purim, and then all of a sudden, boom, the virus and the lockdown and the masks and the, you know, all that stuff and the social distance. We know all that stuff. We don't have to wonder what it will sound like listening to this recording 10 years from now. And that became our new reality. And there was so much that people said about that whole new reality of, Everybody being home and um, things were so different. And it was not simple, but it was a very, very special time. And a lot of very, very the speakers were saying there were a lot of beautiful things that happened as a result of people finally spending time at home and being getting to know themselves, getting to know other people, etc. It was a very different thing. The rat race ended temporarily and everybody said when we come out of this, quarantine where we gave up the rat race, life will be different. Nobody expected that on the dots, on Shavuos, the world would erupt into insanity and chaos through the BLM riot. So then that went kind of crazy for weeks and weeks and weeks. So that was, so the first new normal was nobody works anymore, everybody stays home. Nobody goes to school anymore, everybody stays home. Nobody goes out, everybody speaks to the people in there, you know, and everybody wears masks. So that new reality gave way to the new reality of rioting and looting and destroying the country and ripping down statues representing the heritage of America. 
Well, so we did that one. Okay. And then that gave way to, I'm not even aware of all the phases, that gave way to the election tension and all of the feelings about that and the uncertainty, which then gave way to the way the election went, which we will leave to your imagination for reasons of censorship, which that was a whole thing. And then that gave way to a new administration, which seems to be undoing all of the things that we as Yidden thought were very, very, very important for our safety and for the thrust forward of Geula. And that all seems to be being undone and all the ensuing insanity going along with that. And then, and then that was all replaced by the insanity over the vaccine and the fear and the this and the consequences of the vaccination and all of that, which what that will be replaced by, we don't know. So that's what, you know, that was the year that was, right? So that's the year of Plus or Enu. Well, Tuxin Pei was Teishnas Plus, and this is Teishnas Plus or Enu. So even since Rosh Hashanah, it's been pretty amazing. So here the Rebbe is saying that the idea of Nifla is because the Mimer, I guess of the Friedrich Rebbe says Nifla. There's something wondrous. Um, Apella is something infinitely, it's just completely out of the box. And we know Pella is the level of Kesser, which is crown. And specifically, it's Pneumisa Kesser, the inner part of the crown. And that is completely higher than the laws of nature. Okay, so that's what brings us back to our original question. If we are in the year of Plus or Enu, and the union of Pella is the inside, the inner, inner, inner side of the of the crown of Hashem and the crown of Mashiach, then we are all in, in a year in which we're inside the crown looking out. Now, what we could say is that, I guess if you could make it to inside of the sun, we think we would burn up, God forbid, because it's so hot, but it's, I think I read that it's freezing cold inside the sun and it's completely black. Oh, we'll call it dark and not let it say black. Okay, it's completely dark. So no light and no warmth inside the very inner inner center core of the sun. So probably when you're inside the center core of the crown, same thing. It's freezing cold, emotionally and spiritually freezing, and it's very dark, no visibility, nothing inspiring. No visibility. Well, that would fit the time we're in now. And so from this we understand about the Nifla that's spoken about in the Mimer. Because Matantaira, we were, the, the, the question of the Nifla is, at the time of Matantaira, we were in a really high level. And then, um, and then, after we went through the sea, Kriyas Yamsuf, and we came out of, oh, we had gone through the sea, Kriyas Yamsuf, come out of Mitzrayim. Each of those really lifted us up to a completely different level. They put every single one of us in a very, on a very high level. Because, why? Because when we came out of Mitzrayim, 
Hashem revealed himself in his very essence. When Hashem reveals himself to you in his very essence, you're not going to remain the same person. And you're not going to remain the same nation. So we didn't. We were totally upgraded when we left Mitzrayim after that, after we experienced that relationship with Hashem. Then Kriyas Yamsuf, which was the end of the whole process, we saw incredible revelations. Even maidservants saw such revelations more than the prophets of the future would see. And then we came to Matan Taira, face to face, with Hashem. It was only a one-time thing. And Matan Taira won't happen again. But as it explains in Tanya, that at the time of Matan Taira, there was already a taste of the world as it will be in the future. There was, at Matan Taira, such a tangible, physical, visible, palpable experience of literally seeing Hashem. That's what happened. That from this point of view of revelations, we are very high. I mean, once you go through that, you're really high. This is all of us, by the way. Now, then we went through a thousand years from that point on. And we come to the time that we're in Persia. And we ain't doing too good, right? And we were not doing well at all. We were at a very low state. What does that mean we were at a low state? Not just how they treated us. When Akashverish invited us to his party, we were very flattered. Wow, this is amazing, we thought. We're just like everybody else. We're so tired of being different from everybody else, this chosen nation. We just want to be one of the guys who goes to the party like everybody else and treated equally. And we were so, that's called being spiritually really low. And then we came to the time of Haman. And that is the time that we just jumped right to the top. It says, Now we fully accepted the Torah. When he threatened us, what did he want to do? He said that he wanted to take one day, one day, and destroy, kill, decimate, eliminate every Jew from young to old, babies, women, men, children, everything, all in one shot and all on one day. There was a reason why he wanted to do it all on one day, God forbid. This was a hugely difficult gazera because it meant every Jew in the whole world on one day. Now, why he wanted to do it on one day, maybe we'll find out in this mimer. It wasn't practically a very easy thing to do. I mean, now it's different with technology, but um, that's probably why it took him a year. He didn't just say, okay, next week, but it took a year of planning because he would have to send physical letters, rolled up, write a letter. You have to write a bunch of letters. Let's say you have to write 127 letters because Ahasuerus owned 127 lands. Just like Sarimenu was 127 years old. Clearly, I'm sure there's a huge parallel in Tyro. I, I haven't seen it, but I'm positive that everybody else knows what it is. 
maybe in her merit, because she's our mother, we were saved. But remember, so Achashverosh owns 127 lands. So he has to get his scribes to write 127 letters. There's no photocopy machine, right? There's no, you know, they didn't have copy paper. And then they roll it up and they seal it with the king's seal. And then they give one to each rider who goes on a horse. Maybe there's a couple of riders who went together. Um, and that the horses go out to different direction, kind of like Lahab building Mitzvah tanks. You know, they all leave 770 and they all fan out in the New York area. So all these riders fanned out all over the 127 lands from um, probably the city of Shushan. And they had to then inform, then they would give them the letters to the governors, the governors would read them, and he would say, okay, I've got a year to plan on the 13th day of Adar, um, how they would do the war and make sure that they got everyone in their, every single Jew, God forbid, in their territory. This is a massive operation. And for some reason, Achashverosh agreed to this decree. It all had to be in one day that Haman came up with. It says in the Medrash that Achashverosh, he ruled with an iron fist. And um, and and not only that, it's not like you could run away. I, I don't know. I don't know if the Jews, oh, yes, the Jews found out. But because it was going to be from all directions, closing in, wherever there were Jews, there, there, there was not to be any safe place. Everybody was basically they put only the Jews into until into lockdown. Maybe that's why the whole world is in lockdown now as a punishment for what they did with the Jews. But basically, the Jewish people were in lockdown. It's not like in one community they could run the day before or the week before to a safer community, but rather everybody, every single community was being attacked um, all at the same time. So there's no place to go to. Um, in Gullus itself, that's about the worst kind of Gullus. Enemies from every corner. It's the night of the living dead. You know, it's like a nightmare beyond beyond. From all sides they closed in. I, I'm just saying, again, to repeat it, it's reminiscent of the idea that Rashi says that when we came out of Mitzrayim, the, the, the desert closed in on us. And sometimes there are situations where the darkness closes in, us, closes in on us. So it's interesting that that's what's going on now, that kind of there's no place to run anymore. You know, people say, oh, my goodness, let's all move to Florida. Oh, that'll really – I mean – Please, God, you know, Florida should always remain a safe place. It's a little bit naive. I'll sell my house in New York, and I'll move to Florida. I'll move to Florida, and then I'll be safe. I won't be quarantined there, and I won't be in lockdown, because he's a good guy, the governor of, of Florida. Oh, brilliant. That absolutely is to be relied on for the next 20 decades. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. Right? Everybody knows there's no place to go to, except for the moment. You know, tomorrow might be okay in 
this in this state. Just go to a Republican state. Well, it might be good for a couple of days. By the time you finish packing, you don't know. Maybe he sold out and he, he, he betrayed his party. Who knows? So um, that's the idea. But it's interesting that it's no longer the Jewish people who are just in lockdown and everybody else is roaming around free and having a good time. The whole world has become Jews in a way. The whole world is in the lockdown that we used to go through time and time again with the ghettos and the targeting and the ganging up. And as you know, it said that all the nations of the world were ganged up against Jerusalem, against the land of Israel. The whole world, you know, it's interesting. It says the whole Eretz Yisrael will expand to fill the whole world. Well, guess what? We're into the first part of it in the Gullah sense. Because the fact that all the nations were targeting Eretz Yisrael, and and not in a not in a good way, all these years, all these decades, and the United Nations was not allowing Eretz Yisrael the liberty of being there. You know, such a tiny piece of land. No, 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 no. We need that land for Arab refugees, and we need the other guys to go for a swim. Doctor did so. That seems to have suddenly happened to the whole world. You know, we're sort of being cornered and there's no place to run to. All of a sudden that's happening to the whole world. Nobody can run anywhere to escape. They forgot about the Jews, more or less, somewhat. If the Jews played their, their cards right. And the whole world became Jews of, like, they're out to get you. Hmm. Interesting. So, in the Mimer of Safresh Pezayin of 1927, the Friedrich Rebbe says, the strength of the Gezeira of the Gullus, Beruchnius, was, and it was an issue of Chinuch, education. As it says in the Medrash, Haman said, Haman of Russia said, Eina nishaleach yadai tzila ela be'ela hatinagas. He said, I'm going to start with the children. I'm going to um, eliminate the Jews, God forbid. I'd like to start with the children. Because um, um, because this idea, this plan that he had of doing what he would do to the Jewish people, he decided that he would start with Tinaika Shalbeis Rabban. And the Kavana was really a Gezeira on the whole issue of Chinuch. Even though Tinaika Shabbat Rabban means the Tinuch B'Shanim, it means a physical child, but we're talking about a spiritual child. In other words, when he said, when Haman of Russia said, Haman was the evil one who said, we will, you know, eliminate the representatives of Hashem. That's what's going on in America today, isn't it? We will eliminate the representatives of truth and Hashem. Hmm? Right? They need to be deprogrammed and go to um, education centers. Yes? That's what's being declared in America. So here the Rebbe says, we're not just talking about Haman uh, targeting the children, the physical children, but we're talking about it was a spiritual targeting of 
of spiritual children. Anybody who's a child in knowledge was the target. And that's what's happening now, too. That even if you're talking about a person who was mature, he's an old kind of a guy, you know, he's been around for a few decades. As in the Lushen of the, of, um, the Friedrich Rebbe, even somebody has white hair, but he doesn't know anything about Judaism. Imagine a white-haired man whose knowledge of Tari Mitzvah is like a child. We know tons of them, don't we? And from this, but the, because Chinuch depends on Am Yisrael, Chinuch depends on the existence of Am Yisrael. We know the great mysterious nefesh that there has to be for Chinuch. If we don't have Chinuch of innocent children or spiritual children, then you don't have a perpetuation of the Jewish people. So we have to be Meiser Nefesh. So as it says, Al don't touch my anointed ones. These are Tinefesh Abbas Rabbim. As it says in the Sefer Shabbos, um, um, and so what do we have to do to put these little children into their proper place, base rabban? And then the way of chinuch is in a way of base rabban, the kava, that these little children will receive from their teacher the aside, the whole approach, all of their life, and so. So, at Matan Taira, what does it say? We only started the process. We only began it. But really doing it, we only started the process of connecting to Taira and Mitzvah. It was just the beginning. That's Matan Taira. First thought. Ten minutes. Ten, of, ten commandments. How long did it take to say them? Maybe it was ten seconds. Maybe it was twenty minutes. Maybe it was forty-five minutes. I don't know. And really, there's an opinion that says it all happened in one second. There was, it didn't take us, no doubt, actually, it took up zero time. It was just, which really, even that takes up the space of time. Because it says, you know, everything in one shot. On the frequency at which Hashem gave us the Taira, it's, it's no space, no time. Just a frequency above the world. The world is a place of time and space. But if Tyre is above the world, so Tyre is above time and space. So how long did it take for the Ten Commandments? No time and no space. It's, a, it's above time and space. So that's probably as much time as it took. None. So to speak. And yet at the same time, Mata and Tyre is still happening. So it takes it's forever, but it's no time whatsoever. That's just my thought, and I can't promise I'm right. So um but the, the, that dot of an experience at Matantaira that was just the beginning, the seed, the doing of Matantaira, time of the Kibru, that we did throughout Gullus. And especially at the time of Haman, that's when we really did the Taira and really accepted it. When we were very, very low, on a really low level, the Gashmis and Aruchmis, and at that time, and that's the really wondrous thing, how could it? It's something really wondrous. How is it possible that on, in such a low situation, we actually ended up doing the real first time ever Kabbalah Hatayra? 
And the answer we will have in the next installment, and in the meantime, we should find ourselves with, the answer should be given to us because we will step into the Gula Mitzvah Shlema immediately now.